His name was George Mueller. George Mueller. Now, for you younger ones who maybe have never heard that name, George lived a little over 100 years ago, and George was a man known for prayer. He was a man called to take care of orphans. He would, he would build these orphanages, and he would bring children in, and he would care for them, and he would love them, and he would tell them about Jesus. But George was very interesting. George didn't have a newsletter. He didn't have a fundraising letter that would come out at the end of the year. You never got, hey, we have a matching donor. If you would just give us $1, we can make it. He didn't do those things. You see, George believed that he needed to go to the Heavenly Father and ask. And so that's what he did. One day, he's there and a person who's on his board their daughter was with him at the orphanage and she ran in and she said Mr. Mueller Mr. Mueller there's nothing for the children to eat there's nothing and he took her by the hand and he said sweetie we're about to see what God wants to do for you see not only was there nothing in the kitchen literally the kitchen was bare but so was the bank account. He couldn't go out and purchase anything. He had zero money and all these many, many orphans to feed. So he called the children together. They joined hands. They looked at their empty bowls. They looked at their empty plates. They looked at their empty glasses. And he said, it's time to go to school with our Savior. And so they began to pray. And they thanked God for the food He would provide. They thanked God for that He is a gracious Father. They, they just poured out their praise and said, Amen. They ran to the door. Mr. Mueller, Mr. Mueller, I'm a local baker. God woke me up at 2 a.m. and said I needed to bake bread for your kids. And so guess what? I have a load of bread. A few minutes later, uh, Mr. Mueller, I, I'm a milkman, and my truck, or my, my wagon, it, it broke down right in front of your house. I have a full load of milk. Can I give it to you so I can tow my wagon to get it repaired? Our daily bread. For, for George and his orphans, that was a very practical prayer, was it not? Give us this day our daily bread. Just a little phrase. We take a quick look at the phrase. The first thing you notice that it is a phrase of dependence. We depend on God for everything. We depend on Him for His supply. We depend on Him for His strength. We depend on Him for everything. We understand that our help comes from God and God alone when we pray this prayer. We understand that we are going to a Heavenly Father who will not give us a stone for a piece of bread when we ask for bread. He will not give us a serpent when we ask for a fish. We understand 
that it is just as James said that every good gift flows from Him, the Father of light. We understand that. It is also a reminder that we go to Him daily. That give us this day our daily bread. That He only gives us enough strength for each day. We run to Him each morning as we see our strength is spent from the day before. And for some of us, we have to run to Him minute by minute as the burdens of this life grow. So it's a prayer of dependence. It's a prayer of dailiness. We are reminded also that God is faithful in this prayer. Why go to a God and pray, give us this day our daily bread, if he wouldn't answer. We're reminded that he is faithful, that he keeps his, his will, he keeps his promises, he keeps what we have entrusted to his care. And he is faithful. we reminded that uh, we could recite ourselves Ways that God has proved his faithfulness to us. I remember as a college student, had a little car. And fortunately, the car was a stick. And so uh, my battery died. I had no money to buy a battery. I was working three jobs just trying to pay for college. I had no money left over for a battery. So I would park my, my car with its bad battery on top of a hill. And then I would coast down the hill and pop the clutch trying to start the car and hopefully would have it started before I got to the end of the hill. If not, I would try to find someone who would push the car as I would try to pop the clutch. Yeah. And I went to my Heavenly Father. I'd been reading about George Mueller, so I decided to try it George Mueller's way. Father, I, I, I need a battery. I need a battery. And lo and behold, in the mail came a $50 gift certificate to Montgomery Wards. Some of you are laughing because that dates me by saying that. Just remember, you're dated by laughing at it. <laughs> and I walked into Montgomery Wards. And I went to the battery aisle and I looked up the right battery for my car and I took it to the, to the uh, front desk to pay for it and it was $49.50. I had 50 cents left over for bubblegum, guys. That's the type of God we have. He is so good. And so we're reminded that He's faithful. But we're also reminded about and challenged about our heart. Give us this day our daily bread. Because we know He's going to be faithful, because we know we have to depend on Him, because we go to Him daily, we're called to be people who look at Him with a heart of praise, a heart of thanksgiving, not a heart of complaining, not a heart of griping. In fact, Philippians says, with praise and thanksgiving we make our requests known. And so we're people who come with a heart of gratefulness and a heart of thanksgiving to this wonderful, amazing God. Unfortunately, the Israelites had a problem in that for 40 years they complained about 
the bread that was given to them, the manna. In fact, manna literally means, what is this stuff? That's, its, that's its, what it literally means. What is this stuff? And every day, God gives them what they need. Every day, he showed his faithfulness. And they were like, complaining. And how often do we have those kinds of hearts? Hearts that when God has poured out his goodness to us, we complain. Now, I've given you four points. I've exegeted the text. I could close with prayer. Except there's a problem. How many of you, I'm going to date you again, remember Columbo? Okay, for those of you who don't remember him, he was a TV detective. He wore this little rumpled coat. It was a little kind of a tannish overcoat. He'd have a cigar in his hand, and he'd have it like, like this, and, and he would go and he'd interview and he'd ask them some questions, and he would walk out and he'd start fumbling with some papers, and he'd go, oh, 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 oh. One more thing. One more thing. Oh, oh, let me, I got it here somewhere. Uh, Oh, no, that's the shopping list. You know, I have to pick up this stuff for Mrs. Colombo or she gets really mad. Put it back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here's one more question. And he'd ask one question. The question would seem so benign, sometimes silly. But that would be the question that would crack the case. As we approach this passage today, there's a question, not because there's a crime that has been committed, but because there is a question that is puzzling. There's a question that I believe will unlock even more of this passage. And it's this very, very simple question. Why bread? Why bread? Most of you and I have been taught, give us this day our daily bread means give us this day what we need. Then why didn't Jesus say that? Jesus has a habit of saying exactly what he means. He doesn't mince words. He he knows what he wants to teach. So why doesn't he say, give us this day our daily needs or our daily stuff? If it's about food, as some have have said, why didn't Jesus say, give us this day our daily food? He was sitting with fishermen. Why didn't he say, give us this day our daily fish? But he says this, give us this day our daily bread. Why bread? Well, I've pointed out to you over the last few months some of the intricacies of bread to the Jewish life. I mean, bread is even to this day special to the Jewish nation. If you were to go to Israel and go to various parts of Israel, you're going to see on top of many of the, of the walls hanging on hooks, you'll find loaves of bread. 
In fact, if a loaf of bread is dropped on the ground, they will run over it, they will pick it up, they will brush it off, and they will begin kissing it. And they put these bags of bread out because they never forget that they were a wandering people. And so for anyone who's hungry, anyone who needs to eat, bread needs to be available. They have this love affair with bread. But, why bread? Well, Pastor Greg, don't we go back to, you know, the manna, that kind of bread from God? And yeah, yeah we, we could start there. But I want you to capture where we're at in the Lord's Prayer. Because this is going to be one of the clues. We've already covered this. We've covered our Father in heaven. Then we covered hallowed be your name. Your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. If we were to stop the prayer right there, we could walk away looking at that prayer and say we have a God who is distant, who is aloof, who is not one with us. We have a a God that's up there. He's in heaven. He's holy. He's totally different than us. He's not like us. We're like him. He's not like us. So, So how can I even understand him? How can I have a relationship with him? He's a king. He's a king whose kingdom is here, but it's not quite here. So again, distance. God is distant. God is distant. He's far away. And then he cries out, Give us this day our daily bread. You see, up to this point, there's been this distance. Now, now he did reach out with the very first word, parter, Father. And that amazing word, Father. Now for us, that may be distant, but, but in that culture, Father, and if you want to hear the more on it, I'm not going to review the whole thing. Go back two weeks ago or three weeks ago and listen to, the, listen to it online. But it meant unbreakable bond. It was close. It meant protector, provider, upholder, one who loved me. So he, so he, he puts an opening shot across the bow and says, no, 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 I'm not a God who's distant. But now he brings us into focus because we need to understand what bread does. If you would turn back to the book of Genesis, book of Genesis chapter um, 16, you're going to find, or chapter 14, you would find uh, Abraham and Melchizedek. We're not going to turn there because I don't, I don't have time to take you through all the... But Abraham comes, he's just rescued Lot, he's just defeated the evil ones who took Lot away. And there's a priest, king, his name is Melchizedek. That name means king of righteousness and he was the king of Salem which means the king of righteousness who is the king of peace. And they meet and he does a sacrifice because Melchizedek is a priest of the Most High God. And then he creates an unbreakable bond with him by breaking bread with him. 
by breaking bread, he says, I want to be united with you. I want to have loyalty with you. I want us to be in agreement. It is an aligning thing when you break bread together. Then turn with me now to chapter 31 of the book of Genesis. There's a guy by the name of Jacob, and he's at war with his father-in-law. His father-in-law is a very crafty man by the name of Laban, and Laban has cheated Jacob over and over again, and so Jacob finally has enough. He says, I've had it. I'm leaving. So he grabs his family, and, 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 and here's what he did. For those of you who don't know the story, here's what he did. Jacob, you know, comes and he meets Laban and he sees Laban's two daughters and his heart was just for the younger daughter, Rachel. He's just like, and Laban says, okay, if you work for me for seven years, if you work for me for seven years, you can marry Rachel. And so he works for seven years. It seems like nothing. Wedding comes. The wedding night comes. The next morning comes, and he realizes when he opens his eyes and light is in the tent, he's not married to Rachel. He's married to her older sister, Leah. He did a switch. And he says, but I'm still in love with Rachel. And he goes, okay, work another seven years. And you can have, you can have her. So seven years pass, and he marries Rachel. So now he's got Rachel, and he's got Leah. And he says, now I'd like to go off and start our own lives. And he says, well, well, well work for me, work for me. And, and they create this system. And the system was always rigged against Jacob, but God oversaw and God helped so that Jacob ended up owning most of Laban's flock. And it says that Laban and his son's attitude changed towards Jacob. They were happy until they realized that God was blessing them. And so Jacob said, hey guys, we got to get out of town. we got to leave. And so they take off. And three days later, Laban realizes they're gone because he was out doing something else. And so he gets his soldiers and they take off after him and him servants and they catch him. And it looks like there's going to be war, but God again steps in and God says, hey, 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 you touch him. You say the wrong thing. And you're not going to be happy with me, that's for sure, Mr. Laban. And so they meet. And Laban comes to him and he says, listen, I, those are my daughters. I love them. That's my wealth you got. I love that too. Those are my grandchildren. Let me kiss them. Let me hug them. Let me say goodbye to them. Let's not leave as enemies. And so they make a covenant together. And if you turn to verse 54 of chapter 31, here is how they, they ended their time together. And this is what bread does. Bread repairs broken relationships. And Jacob offered a sacrifice in the hill country country and called his kinsmen to eat bread they ate bread and spent the night in the hill country early in the morning Laban arose kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them and he departed departed and returned home what is happening here is Laban 
breaks bread. And this relationship that had been strained and broken between him and Jacob, between him and his daughters, between him and his grandchildren, is repaired. Why? Because bread in that culture meant that you restored, you repaired, you created loyalty. Where loyalties had been strained, you recreated them and you reunited. Bread. When you broke bread in this culture, it was a cultural affirmation. It was saying, I hold you close. It's saying, I love you. It is saying, I am, I am on your side. I, you can have a close, unbreakable bond. As Jeremiah put it, an everlasting love. It's God holding you close, firmly in His grasp, securely in His hand, forever in His heart. And when you break bread in this culture, it's saying that I will hold you in my hand. I will hold you firmly in my grasp. I will hold you forever in my heart. Now, I want you to see something. Bread, which appears 325 times in the Scriptures, which has this great cultural meaning that once we break bread, relationships are restored. We have this unbreakable bond. We have this loyalty. All this is meant by bread. When we break bread together. Bread was entwined in Jesus. Where was Jesus born? Who knows? Pop quiz. Bethlehem. All right. If you didn't get it, make sure you go to Sunday school next hour. Um, we want to make sure you learn that, all right? Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. Jesus was called what? The bread of life. In fact, everything about Jesus had to do with bread. Remember his first testing from Satan? He's in the wilderness. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. He's hungry. And Satan goes, hey, hey, see those rocks over there? Turn those stones to bread. And Jesus doesn't do it. He says, no, 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 no. Every man, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that flows from the mouth of God. Why was that such a big deal? Oh, well, because Jesus never used his powers to help himself. Well, okay. But if Jesus had taken and turned those stones to bread, you know what would have happened? They, he would have broken bread with Satan. He would have broken bread with the devil. He would have been disqualified in that culture because by doing that, he would have created a loyalty and a bond and he would have been obedient in that situation to Satan. Disqualifying himself because they would have been united. Remember the upper room? John 13. Jesus is sitting around the table. John leans over and says, Hey, hey, who's betraying you? The first one I give this piece of bread to. He turns around and he gives the bread to Judas. Judas takes the bread. You will notice in that chapter, Judas never eats the bread. And there's a reason for that. You see, as Judas takes it, Jesus leans over and says, whatever you're going to do, do quickly. And Judas looks at it 
He realizes what he's going to do. And the word there in the Greek is he literally got up and bolted. He ran with almost a fervent fear out of the room. The disciples were like, what's going on? You see, in that culture, how did Judas betray Jesus? Betrayed him with a kiss. In that culture, it was okay to betray someone with a kiss. We would think that's awful, but in that culture it was okay. But you never betrayed someone you broke bread with. And so Judas looks at that piece of bread. He sees it for what it is. Judas, do you want to be in a bond with me? Do you want to have an unbreakable bond of love? Do you want to have loyalty? you want to have unity? No, because I'm going to betray you. So I need to run. To summarize what bread meant, let me put it this way. I had the privilege of being in Nepal. In Nepal, there's a custom. If you go to someone's home and they offer you a cup of tea, now it's tea with a lot of sugar and this rancid butter stuff. And if they offer that to you, you're a guest. They offer it to you twice. You're a friend. But if they offer to you three times and insist you drink a third cup of tea with them, you are family. And if you're family, you have loyalty, an unbreakable bond, you have love. Jesus put it, or Paul put it this way, It's found in Romans chapter 8, verse 38, if you want to turn with me. Romans 8, 38 says it this way, when we break bread with him. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What was he saying when he prayed or said, pray, give us this day our daily bread? He's saying, yes, come to me daily. Yes, you can depend on me. Yes, I am being faithful. Yes, be thankful. But understand, yes, I am inviting you to break bread with me every day. To know the love I have for you. To know that I am loyal to you. I will protect you. That nothing can separate us from my love for you. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to be loved. It's an invitation to be known. It's an invitation to be protected. It's an invitation to be provided for. 
It's an invitation from God Himself in Christ Jesus. So when you pray, give us this day our daily bread. You are saying, God, I accept your invitation and I want to break bread with you. You may be thinking, but Greg, does that kind of loyalty exist? I mean, is he, it, will he be loyal to me? Really? In Japan, there is a statue and a story of Chukin Hachiku. And please uh, forgive my Japanese. Um, I'm definitely not fluent to past Konichiwa. So, Chukin Hachiku. It's a story of a dog. Have you heard it? There was a professor and the dog was his dog and every day the professor and the dog would walk to the train station. Every day he would pet the dog and the dog would run back home. And every day when he would return from work, return from the university, the dog would be there. Until one day, about three years of doing this, the professor didn't return. He had a massive brain hemorrhage and died. But sure enough, that dog was at the train station that night waiting for his master. For nine years, nine months, 15 days, never missed a day, that dog, Hachiku, went back to the train station waiting for his master. In the beginning, people, knowing that, that the gentleman was dead, knowing that he was gone, they would throw rocks at the dog and they would, they would try to scare it off. They didn't want it around. When the weather was bad, the dog was there. When the weather was good, the dog was there. If something was thrown at the dog, the dog didn't care. It was there for its master. And after a while, the people started to admire this dog. And there's a statue today because of this dog's faithfulness and loyalty to its master. If a simple dog can do that, can you imagine what the creator of the universe can do? And what he's promised to do? Let me read it to you again. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Oh, friends, break bread with God each day. Invite Him to break bread with you. Father, we ask at this time that we would be people who understand that yes, you are faithful. Yes, we can depend on you. Yes, we should be thankful. 
But may we also be people who take advantage of this invitation that we seek to break bread with you, we seek to commune with you, we seek to understand what it means to be loved by you with an unbreakable bond of love. And to know that you never, ever will walk away from us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.